Hi, I'm Ari. I'm Nick. And always wear a nasty white necktie. <laughs> exactly. And welcome to episode 36 of the Postponed Podcast, the only podcast where we both review, th- review theater shows and also talk about COVID news. Mm-hmm. And before we get into the news like we usually do, I'm going to ask you guys a quick question. All right. What's that? What's it going to be? How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well, Ari. Thank you for asking. I'm very excited to talk about uh, not a movie this time. We're talking about a show. And more than that, it's a show about history. So you've really opened a can of worms here, Ari, uh, letting me yeah. talk about historical figures and presidents. But we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm doing well, too. I just watched this movie. Uh, I mean, show. I mean, uh, Nick gets to talk about history. I get to talk about music because I'm the music man. Yeah. Hey. What are you going to talk about, There's a lot about, of Ari? music in this because this is a musical. I'm going to talk about, I don't know. I'm just going to complain, maybe. Mm, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So today's spotlight film is the 2020 quote unquote film Hamilton, which is now on Disney Plus. It's on IMDb uh, and Rotten Tomatoes, so I think yes, yeah, so I think it's very, okay to call it a film. Mm-hmm. Yes, very uh, high ratings. But before we get into that, we got some news, and mm-hmm. we're gonna start off with the Rona corner. Yeah, roll it. It's, it's Rona season. Corona, so when you see me next. I'll be partying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I always need to remember my article, mm-hmm. which is the that it's more AMC news. You know, mm-hmm. let's go, baby. <laughs> this is this is as bad as some of the other ones because AMC is gonna uh, reopen in mid-August, and this is like heavily like influenced by. Um, Tenants, when Warner Brothers are gonna like release Tenants, which is still like undetermined, mm-hmm. but uh, it's hundreds of theaters. AMC is playing in mid to late August. It, it Open them up. Specified last episode, I think we even said AMC is reopening on the thirtieth of July. Um, yeah, so just keep so, going back. Yeah, I yeah. there's a very weird cycle going on. Where theaters keep pushing back their release dates beca- or their opening dates because movies aren't getting released, but the movies keep pushing back their release dates because they need theaters to open. It's like someone needs to stop somewhere, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. Because Tenet was supposed to release, I think, is in July? Yeah. You know what else was supposed to release in July? What? Wesley? Always where? Okay, that's me. Um, so, <laughs> speaking of, if AMC chooses to reopen, <laughs> what movies are they going to play? Because guess what? such a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> Mulan has been pushed back indefinitely, you know? They don't even, they're not even going to say really safe for that. Meanwhile, Avatar and Star Wars, uh, I didn't even know there was a Star Wars coming out, but there are me Star either. Wars movies that have been delayed by a year, as well as the Avatar sequels. Um, a bunch of other things that were, you know, part of Fox before, you know, Disney acquired them, such as Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, the Empty Man, uh, our favorite, most hyped-up movie of 2020, which I've never heard of, is moved from August 7th to December 4th. Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, uh, which was going to come out on Christmas Day, is coming out on my birthday, my 21st birthday. Um, and Searchlight's The Personal History of David Copperfield, which now gets a limited release of August 28th. But what we do have right now, 
As it stands, the next films on the release slate for Disney and 20th Century are The New Mutants and The Personal History of David Copperfield, but The New Mutants, which doesn't have a release date, is currently at the top of the list to come out. So, basically what we're saying is these movies aren't coming out. Not anytime soon, at least. negative excited for that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want it to come out. I don't know what it is. Well, on the topic of things that are delayed and not going to come out, mm. Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, which would be the third Tom Holland uh, dedicated Spider-Man film, but the second has Far been From delayed. Home film. <laughs> <laughs> um, has been delayed till December of 2021, December 17th specifically. Uh -huh. So, I mean, there's not much specifically about that, other than, you know, it's delayed. Corona's bad. And Sony is has already postponed it to November, but they just postponed it again to December. Did you say December 2021? Yes. Yeah. So they probably haven't even started filming that yet, have they? Might be in the article somewhere, but I don't. I don't think care. It specifies probably. Not. <laughs> Either way, that's regardless. I don't care too much for it. If you want to get in deep about our opinions of Spider-Man: Far From Home, you can because we have a beautiful pwn episode about that on the YouTube channel. <laughs> Mix so up the media. Go check that out. And with that ends the Corona Corner, I believe. Yes, but speaking of third films in a series releasing in 2021, oh, apparently uh, The Kissing Booth 3 <laughs> was secretly shot simultaneously with Kissing Booth 2 and will be released next year in 2021. They're currently in post-production. They've already filmed it. They filmed it all before COVID. I mean, this is news to everyone. Let me Maybe just take knew. this opportunity to talk about The Kissing Booth too. It's <laughs> fine. It's better than the first one, technically, but I did not like it because of that. It's not cringy enough. It's, it's, it's basically passable. It's what I thought, to all the boys I loved before, the first one would have been. I expected it to be, you know, just kind of standard team rom-com. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. But the third one, I'm very excited. Are there for two because... kissing booths in the kissing booth too? Uh, because they have to up the up the up the like somehow. Dance competition or something, and a foreign exchange student. That's it's all over. Is the there place. any kissing booth? And it has the audacity to imply that Berkeley is better than UCSD, which I'm not okay with. But uh, yeah, because yeah, clearly it's UCLA. <laughs> you know what I am okay with though. You're okay with the Tom Cruise movie that's going to be shot in space, huh? Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yes. Um, so it's Tom Cruise and Doug Liman who directed uh, Edge of Tomorrow and The Born Identity. So, you know, he's a pretty good action movie director. They're trying to film it in space. And one production studio is honing in on a deal to try to close this one. Can you guys guess? I mean, Dick knows what it is. Cause he said I actually article. didn't read it, you so didn't I read don't it. know. Okay. You get one is it guess. Disney? It, no. You get two right. guesses. <laughs> it's a production company, and they're trying to get a movie that's going to be filmed in space. What do you think it is? SpaceX? <laughs> Universal? Oh, oh Universal. Yep. Of course. Universal is trying to land this movie. Warner Bros. Yeah. What? 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 NBC? What? NBC Universal? Comcast? <laughs> Time Warner Cable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Space. We don't know much about this movie, but we do know that Universal Pictures is trying to trying to produce the movie. Um, yeah, but you were right, Nick. SpaceX will be involved in the movie, uh, as mm -hmm. well as NASA and 
the International Dang. Space Station where it will be held, where I think where it will be filmed, and I think Ari is there right now. How, how's it looking up there? I mean, pretty good. The glare is kind of bad because it like the sun rises and sets like five times a day up here, <laughs> you know. But yeah, is is the film I, set? You gotta do what you gotta do. I, I'm I'm comfy. Yeah, and it's really quiet. Makes it nice for podcasting. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Up here. Well, you. speaking of um, something that well, is unfortunately, news. there is no segue to these last topics that I have. I have two deaths in the last uh, three or four days since we recorded. Um, How do people have to die? The first was so Regis somber. Philbin, who is a uh, sort of a legendary TV host of sorts. He died at the age of eighty-eight of natural causes. He was the host of Who Wants to Be a, Mi- a Millionaire and also other shows throughout his 60-year career in television. Fun fact, he holds the Guinness World Record for most hours spent on TV. Oh. As of the last time that they measured, which was in 2009, so it's been even more since then, but as of 2009, he had been on TV for 16,540 hours. So, uh, um... that's a lot of hours. How many days is 16,000 hours? The answer is 666.67 days. That's a lot of days. <laughs> That's two years. That's almost two years worth of yeah, yeah, yeah. being on TV straight. He had like a, a talk show at some point. I want to say he hosted America's Got Talent at some point. I don't really know. He's in, he's yeah. in a lot of different things. It's, That's, That's a lot saying. of screen time, man. Yeah. Well, what we know is that he's got talent. That's true, he does. He he did. He did, he did. But speaking of talented people, one more death that we got to talk about today. Uh, Everybody's favorite lady of the silver screen. Uh, No one's favorite, it's just our our three. Um, Olivia de Havilland has passed away at the age of 104, just 24 days after her 104th birthday, which we covered on the podcast. Dang. Mm -hmm. She's actually not the last star of Gone with the Wind to be alive there are still three or four more because there's a lot of kids in that movie um just probably more than three or four but I just know three or four names but she was in of course Gone with the Wind which she was nominated for an Oscar for she was in uh the the Robin Hood movie from the 30s mm-hmm. uh, which Wes knows from because he's got good music apparently <laughs> um I also just learned that she was in the sequel miniseries to Roots she was in the sequel that takes place in like modern day i guess over the next wait like the one that like came out a few years ago uh no it came out in the 70s oh, okay. but okay so there's roots which covers kunta quinte right and then it goes up to chicken george and then chicken right. george has has the first episode of the second series and it follows all of his descendants into like world war one and everything and she's in a couple of those oh, okay okay um not what she's best known for but it is interesting <laughs> She was also a bo- uh, not Bollywood Broadway star, so you know she's got a she's got a long career, um, which started in 1933 and continued until this year. So she was still doing the acting. Mm-hmm. Really? She 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 had not retired from public life, is what I will say. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of somber. Yeah. Very However, unfortunate. Uh, on a lighter note, we do get to talk about a movie now. Mm-hmm. That movie being Hamilton. And I thought, you know, so first let me say why I picked this film. And I picked this film because I thought I wanted to be creative. Because I feel like I'm lacking in creativity with my movies compared relative to some of you guys. I'm like, I hey, say that. 
we're going to do a double week. Why not do something weird? And I didn't realize how long it was until after I recommended it. Well, not until after, but after I got my mind set on recommending it. And, you know, I, I never saw it. And it's, I didn't think you guys would see it coming. That's pretty much all of it. Mm-hmm. I did not. And with that, I'm going to give my opinion. All right. And my opinion is it was a really good musical. Mm-hmm. It's an, I'd say an amazing musical. But it is, it's hard to compare to movies. If I'm going to spend, sitting on the couch watching something, I'd prefer a movie, and I think that's my, my preferred format. Uh-huh. So when it, it's being compared as a film to other things, which I guess we are reviewing it as a film, not as a play, because we are a film review podcast, and it's on okay. IMDb as a film. We can talk about it as a musical, <laughs> right? You don't have to force it to be a film. I know, but in in terms of continuity, the important you know, thing I'm is gonna that give my the three opinion. of us saw it, so we can review it however you think it's best reviewed. We can review it so, but I'm gonna give my opinion in respect to movies because that's what I always have done, mm-hmm. and 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 having my experience, I feel like it's it's again close to three hours, two hours and forty minutes long, I believe, and it's pretty much a two hour forty minute long rap, high octane rap, so it is takes a lot of energy and I feel like it's good but I'm not sure I'd say it's lives up to its ratings. Oh, okay. Uh, whoever next. <laughs> I, I can go next that's if, if you'd opinion. like. Go for it. Alright, well that's interesting because I actually think that this is a good way to watch a show. I'm sure in person it's better but I don't like live musicals. <laughs> I like approximately three and I think this is one of them. So the idea that I can sit in my house having not spent $500 on a Broadway ticket and I can stop watching if I don't like the show, I actually think that's pretty good. Um, I know that's a bit hypocritical coming from someone who defends cinemas and live action theaters. Not live action theaters, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I meant someone who... Animated I like theaters. sitting in a yeah, seat in person, when I go to yeah. see a movie. Maybe I don't like sitting in a seat when I go to see a show, you know? I don't have to deal with... Uh, uh, loud, noisy theater nerds sitting in the chairs next to me. <laughs> um, I quite liked this, you know. I, I I wouldn't say I had low expectations going in, more so that I had none, because I just didn't want to hate it in case I hyped it up too much. Um, and I think that I did myself a favor by not hyping it up too much, because I did very much enjoy this. I liked the way that it flowed together, all the songs. I don't know how common that is to kind of have... Um, musicals that are basically one continuous song, but I liked that. I liked all the characters, you know, I, being a history person, enjoyed seeing things that I recognized, and yeah, I mean, we can talk about specifics, but I enjoyed the experience of seeing it where I saw it. Nice. So, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Wes says. Because Wes has probably seen more musicals than either of us. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Um, I have I have seen musicals. I'm not a huge. I'm not the biggest fan of musicals, but that doesn't mean that I don't like them uh, mm-hmm. overall. You know, like there's there's definitely some that could be good, and I thought this one was pretty good. It, hey, it's, it's, go. it's a good musical. Yeah, um, yeah, I liked it um, because you know I've seen just a lot of like boring generic musicals, and this one is like you know it actually it feels different from most. It still does sometimes fit into those conventions, but like it sometimes makes fun of those own conventions and i i enjoyed the rapping a lot you know it's not like a type of rap that i really like listen to 
very often. To me, this kind of reminds me more of like Eminem, and like I'm more of a Travis Scott guy myself. But <laughs> it's very um, Eminem-esque. <laughs> but it still is really good, and it's got some really good bars. And to me, I think like the only detriment of having like really good bars is that when it goes in for a slow jam, sometimes. It's a little like, eh, this feels a bit more like I'm watching a musical than like listening to some guys be like, oh shit, it's George Washington, yo! Um, <laughs> but yeah, as a whole, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, you know, I knew that it had like really uh, high ratings, and I was fully prepared to be like, yeah, well, those people, uh, they're just overhyping it, and it's like not even that good. But like, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. I'm glad to see these opinions over here, but you know what? Before we talk too much more, it is time for synopsis, which is going to be pretty straightforward because I'm going to use Wikipedia to help me a little bit, but it's the pretty much just the life of Alexander Hamilton mm-hmm. starting and when that. he arrives in the United States. and. But they're not the United States yet. Sorry. They're they, just did they colonies. not start in the United States? No, it starts as colonies. It starts oh, I'm like sorry. On I, the I thought you meant. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. I, I meant that it wasn't independent. It wasn't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're. You're right. Yes. So he's in the colonies, and it t- kind of talks about how he. The first act is kind of pre, and during American Revolution. Mm-hmm. It covers uh, kind of his mindsets, uh, his uh, education, and getting to know George Washington and the battles, and the second act covers more uh, his post-war activities mm-hmm. you know being treasury and his affair and his dual death of his son via duel and also his own death i mean that's pretty much just what it is though he he helps america become what it is today because he's a great treasurer he helps fight for america's independence and he eventually gets shot by aaron burr mm-hmm. and he has an affair in the middle of that yeah i'd argue that we're not really spoiling it because like right at the get go, yeah, it right at the get go, it's like yeah, I shot him, I'm Aaron Burr, like. Also, this is what this man is known for. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, and um, that's a big theme of the show, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't spoil like like World War movie because yeah. everyone just knows how it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, you can spoil some like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's an alternate history one. Yeah, I I actually did put a put down a few notes while mm-hmm. I was nice. watching this. It is really really fast. Like yes. it's not something you can have in the background and kind of comprehend. Mm-hmm. Like it takes it's super high octane and it's high octane for a long time. And it's kind of hard. It was so I, t- I wrote I I wrote a note that said it's kind of hard to write notes and kind of hope <laughs> they start talking at some point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's a hit. They didn't stop singing they kept singing and they did not start talking yeah mm-hmm. yeah but the ad-libs are funny and i re- I like the songs i think more as they went along uh, there's a few scenes that were really uh interesting with me but i like the first half more than the second half right. yeah my humble opinion i think sure i think i did too even though you know the second half maybe has like some more interesting historical stuff going on i think like uh it becomes to me at times a little bit like too melodramatic and i'm like I kind of want to just like see shit go down with Alexander Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more creativity in the first half too. Like the uh, Angelica flashback wedding bit. I yeah, thought when was the movie super becomes cool. Tenet. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> the movie becomes tenant. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, 
Most, I think most of the uh, King George stuff was in the first. Maybe not, but he was introduced in the first act, I believe. That anyway. was fun. Him it spitting really all fun. over There's the place. There's a lot of funny bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, will say... Sorry, go ahead. I was, I was say uh, the second half, my favorite part by far were the uh, the cabinet meetings. Yeah, those are yeah. just straight up rap yeah, battles. Yeah, the rap battles, yeah. Now, I will say that I tend to notice this for myself that musicals are kind of that way where, like, the first half, like, there's a lot of, like, stuff going on and it's pretty, like, brisk. There's a lot of different musical numbers and locations and characters being introduced and the second halves do tend to, like, slow down a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I did notice that, like, that is something that I felt with this one, but that I've also noticed as a trend with a lot of other stage musicals I've seen. Yeah. I actually quite liked the the second half. I don't know if I'd say more. I, I think I was more interested in it, just because it was stuff that I actually knew about. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was fun to learn about. Like, I didn't know too much about his involvement in the actual revolution, mm-hmm. but the whole, like, conflict with Jefferson. I'm a Jeffersonian myself. Um, but I do think it's interesting to kind of see the story from his perspective. And I think that the show does a very good job of not over explaining things it gives you just enough information i i found i was greatly benefited by having the subtitles on um that mm-hmm. helped a lot i should have done that but i did not i i i i've reached a point where you I, can't when have i watch movies in the, in the theater nick <laughs> uh, what are you gonna for do the most read, part read the well book? that's part of why i think this is good that you can watch it in this format mm-hmm. you know um i i find that as the podcast goes on, I've gotten into the habit of just whenever I watch any movie, English or not, I put on the subtitles because it, unless it's like a movie I've seen many times before, but I find it helps me actually like pay attention to the writing and say whether or not it's written well <laughs> when I can actually see on screen like, oh, that's a terrible sentence, you know? <laughs> um, but there were no terrible sentences in this. It was very fun. I liked the the rhyme structure. There were a lot of very interesting uh, things where the rhymes come in the middle of lyrics, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty neat. Like the sentence will continue, but the the actual rhyme beat is kind of like interlapped with it. It's very nice. But one thing that I was really surprised by is how much I actually cared about the the romance subplot. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, this is gonna be boring. But I think all of it was handled really well. Same. And might have been my my favorite aspect overall. The whole love triangle going on, like you said, with the wedding, mm-hmm. and then when the 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 cheater comes along it's like oh this is getting spicy mm-hmm. I, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot you know it's yeah. fun i i had the same feelings like i saw it coming and i did not anticipate it i'm like oh they're just gonna have a love thing in here i thought it's just gonna distract from the main thing mm-hmm. parts of it but I, it only served to, I, I thought it was one of the more well done things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's integral even though most of it was done well mm-hmm. i just it's very well done musical love triangle square thing it's more like he's in the center of a diamond or something yeah Yeah. a little bit wes i know that you have increasingly built up some sort of resistance to meta humor uh you complain about it more and more i find (laughs) yes this is correct i'm interested there's not a ton in here but i'm interested to see what you think of like the few things that are sort of self-referential like the only ones i can really remember is there's one point where uh 
George Washington is talking about how his wife named a dog after Hamilton because it was like always running <laughs> around with the ladies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or saw, yeah, yeah, something like that. And he's like, that's and then, true. That's actually and true. And he's like, this actually happened. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't occur very many times, but I I did notice the occasional nod to something sort of more contemporary mm-hmm. or acknowledging that it's a show. Yeah, um, I mean, like, because here, here's the thing. I normally. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of like humor in musicals. Obviously, there's exceptions, um, but it's like it's like humor in plays. Like I don't understand why these people think this thing is so funny because it's not. But I will yeah. say there were. I, I feel like this handled it pretty well. And there's actually one part that I really liked a lot, um, where I think I, I think it's like Burr is singing a song, or so, somebody is, and then Hamilton's like, "Whoa, whoa don't modulate up a key, just like get yeah, out of this." Yeah, that's like, the other one that I yeah, was trying to remember. I, 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 th- I thought that was pretty funny, and so like, yeah, it didn't get me to like laugh out. That was loud. like a Bo Burnham joke. Yeah, like <laughs> as a whole, like it didn't get me to laugh out loud a bunch, and it felt like it wasn't trying to be as funny as like a lot of uh, other musicals. But I I liked when it actually was funny. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of funny things that are kind of like tossed in there but i don't think it's trying too hard mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know yeah as some musicals i think maybe do tend to be one thing i do want to say though about that as that meta aside about oh that actually happened i got heavy flashbacks to uh the big short uh big short yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh-huh all right really funny because they did that i'm interested in you had said something about sort of like the flow of it that it's I don't know, did you say it was almost, like, exhausting at a point to watch? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's because it's so fast. Uh-huh. You can, you kind of can get used to it, but the thing is, it, okay, it starts off freaking blazing. Like, in the first act, I feel, like, a lot more high pace. I feel like I like it more. Like, a lot, feels like a lot more happens where, in like, in reality, most of the key historical events happen in the second half. Yeah. It just feels slower. I would have preferred, I mean, you can hook me up with this, like, give me a nice hook, but if I have a slow first half, something to ease me into it, and then a more rapid second half, that way you can keep me entertained if you're going to go for two hours and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. I would appreciate that more, but you you got me tired when we got into intermission, and That's then for just the, the second half. the last Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm, I, you know, I... I actually thought that like kind of the energy of it was one of its biggest strengths for me because even though you know I like a nice slow movie I like Stalker a lot mm-hmm. um, I'd say that I actually don't like slow shows and I don't know why it's just my attention span for a slow moving musical especially because mm-hmm. like a play I can get it they're acting you know you, you watch something like 12 Angry Men it's like ah uh, we got to watch all these people talk but with a musical it's just like I don't care about what's happening. Please just, like, speed things up. Mm-hmm. I think that the energy this had is kind of incredible that they can keep it up for three hours almost. Yeah. It, it felt like the musical the equivalent of, like, Mad Max Fury Road where you started and it just keeps going, you know? Mm-hmm. And it has yeah. the occasion, you know, mm-hmm. there's the Furiosa scream, just like there's the song Burn in this one. It, it gives you tiny moments to catch a breath, you know? Mm-hmm. But that energy, I think, is always there, which I really liked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wonder if like, if we had seen this in person in a theater, if we would have mm-hmm. felt the same. Like me and Ari would have felt the same way about the second half, kind of you know losing losing a bit of steam because we'd yeah. have like a like a twenty minute intermission, and we'd 
you know, if I, I think that like I can confidently say that this feels longer watching it at home than watching it in person. Really? Maybe. I, I thought it went by pretty quickly. Really? I mean, I think considered. it went by quickly too, but I just mean that like I think that I think it did too. If you were to see it in person, it probably would, at least for the parts that it felt kind of like it was slowing down, it probably would have maintained good, that good momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the energy, at least like since it is a musical. It's the songs are not hampering it at all. I love the energy that the songs bring because they're all quick, pl- quick pace. Because one of the things I hate most about musicals is I don't want to watch, you know, uh, I want to watch a music video that's super long. You know, just no story, all, oh, look how good they are at singing. Look at this choreography. Mm-hmm. This one, it, it kept... There's a lot of words just kept it kept us entertained because it, it kept the story going. It was very plot oriented. There's not a lot of just oh I understand. Okay, this girl's sad. This is a three minute song about how sad she is mm-hmm. while she's just singing like showing off her vocals. Like okay, I, I respect that you're on Broadway. I mean that happened maybe once in this play. Like oh just to hammer and she's sad and she's singing really hardcore. Yeah. But I feel like with this being like all rap and stuff they're not really just they're not trying to flex their vocals on us as as much emotionally Mm -hmm. they do a lot of them i feel like they do a lot of their emotions through kind of like telling the story rather than just like having to sit there and watch them be sad when they sing i would not describe lin-manuel miranda as the greatest singer on the planet or anything oh no Mm -hmm. and i do think that sort of this lyrical style works best for him at least yeah um but, like, what, one thing that I will say about it being a rap is, like, the closest this show ever comes to being, like, I don't want to say stupid, but just feeling like, you know, those, those like, Harry Potter musicals that are little jokes? A very Potter musical? Yeah, very Potter musical. Love that one. Um, or, like, I don't know, Puffs, yeah. which is the Hufflepuff musical. <laughs> yes, of course, the only Harry Potter <laughs> musical. Um... The closest it ever comes to being like that for me, the closest it comes to not taking itself seriously, are the cabinet rap battles. Yeah, that's and I do think that those are like the most obvious thing when you decide to do a sort of hip hop style um, musical about Hamilton. You say, well, the only way to make a cabinet meeting interesting is to have it be a rap battle. And, and despite that, like, I do think that that is the only good choice there. It's just the closest it comes to being a farce for me. But, like, I liked those scenes, and I, I agree. Those are... There's no way other than to have a battle to make those actually interesting. And also, in the context of real life, like, having this sort of you know, verbal fisticuffs is, is, I think, well represented by having, mm-hmm. like, Jefferson yeah. drop the mic at the end. He's like, oh, your, your plan's garbage, mate. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it, it's a little it's bit... Hot bars, like, too. It's a little <laughs> bit like parliamentary procedure, you know? Like, they wait for each other to finish, you know? They don't they don't talk over each other, so yeah. it, it is, like, a good adaptation of that. Um, but speaking of, like, the rap battle parts, maybe my favorite song, I don't, I, I don't know, because, you know, I'd, I'd have to, like, see it again to pick, like, a favorite, but I really liked when he first shows up to the bar and they're introducing everyone and to me like instead of like a rap battle that's more of like a cypher but it's like all these people like being like ooh I'm Lafayette and like ooh like let me tell you about myself and I, I-, I like that part a lot when they're all when Lafayette them. starts rapping in French I yeah. was like oh boy uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think my favorite song 
I like the introduction to George Washington song. It's good. It just goes hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also the one with the King George. That, that one is... Those are all wonderful. It's yeah. great, but it's more that it got stuck in my head for like the next two days. Yeah. I like yeah. I like the dual songs. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I really first, liked okay, Room like, Where It Happens. I, I honestly think that might have been my favorite. The first... Because... Oh, yeah. Go on. Oh, no, that's no, no, good, you go too. Ahead. Well, I was just gonna say about the dual songs. The first one it starts out with them singing it's like the Ten Commandments or something, and I was like really confused. I was like, wait, <laughs> are these the Ten Commandments? I don't think so, but I, 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 I caught don't remember on. I caught that commandment. Sure. But like in terms of storytelling via song, mm-hmm. like that's effectively narration. They're basically just saying, and then they meet, and then they say, "Do you want to do this?" You uh-huh. know. But I, I thought again, if you're gonna make something interesting, sing it. Do I it. guess. Yeah, maybe it, yeah, it has that at energy. Least do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that there's um, less talking. <laughs> I I also really liked. I it wasn't the best at all, but I really liked Washington doing his farewell address in a song because it is verbatim oh, yeah. his actual speech, and I'm like, I like that mm-hmm. too. how did you make this fit a melody at all? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It well. I li- yeah, I mean, like, on that note, I like that there wasn't that much talking in it. Like, very little of it was. And, like, that is... I think the only lines of dialogue I remember are when he was talking about the Federalist Papers, and he says, this is how many each of them wrote. Like, I think that's the only part I remember that was in a song. He said, this actually happened about the cat. Yeah, I think yeah. there might be, like, <laughs> oh, some yeah, other, like, true. narration moments, but either way, it's, like, it's very few and far between. And, and you, you, know. you brought up Eminem songs. It, it does kind of feel like early Eminem where, um, I, I don't even know if it's technically an Eminem song. It might actually be a, a Dr. Dre song, but the one where it's like two people's subconscious are arguing. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know that one. I'm not uh, sure that one. Uh, but that song has a narrator in it. So in between okay. these sections where... Dr. Dre and Eminem are rapping. Mm-hmm. There's a narrator who's like, "This is Chris. He's at a party, <laughs> you know." <laughs> and this isn't exactly that, but it, it does kind of have that feel of like yeah. early '90s rap albums where they've all got the little interludes. Mm-hmm, I guess yeah. new albums do that too. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite part of Blonde is when the when there's like the phone message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, just just because like you know I. I'm actually an opera man myself, you know? I enjoy that more than the musical. Uh, And, you know, one of the key differences between opera and musical is opera never has any spoken word. It's all sung. Um, And so this kind of of felt like that. I mean, in no other way was this like an opera, but in that way, in that way, it kind of was. (laughs) And I I appreciated that they could effectively get everything across without, like, a a lot of dialogue. I I actually think maybe this show convinced me because I don't think I thought this before, but I think musicals should only be singing. Like, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> not, and I'm not disparaging any pre-existing musicals, you know, but I think going into the future, because I assume this is influential in Broadway, again, this is the most recent musical I've seen, so, like, I don't know if anything has been influenced by this, but I, I do think musicals that are entirely song are better than like switching between dialogue and music because I, I feel like again there is that flow that really helps yeah. for something like this mm-hmm. if i want to see a stage play again i'll go see 12 angry men i'll go see some courtroom drama <laughs> i'm not gonna see you know oh yes i'm writing the declaration of independence la la, la you know yeah i mean it, it it feels like 
less corny and way or then less artificial and it when... also gives more opportunity to like progress the story while singing exactly Instead of just singing about an emotion it's singing about what is actually happening exactly yeah, yeah. but like um and so for like some reason it it's it, to me i buy it more that these people are just singing the entire thing then like oh let's have like this dramatic conversation and then it just evolves into a song randomly that feels yeah. like that feels weirder to me because like people don't just like start immersion. singing in the middle of nowhere in real life but like if you make it all a song it's like okay well like i understand that this isn't actually like how it happened but this is just them doing like yeah. their interpretation in a song yeah. yeah you only have to distance yourself from reality once uh -huh. mm -hmm. when they start singing at the beginning mm -hmm. and then you, you accept it whether when it, they start singing intermittently you're gonna have to like try to justify that and see like again question myself is this really happening or like what, what does this make sense or just like kind of distance yourself but i think it helps that for singing throughout the play it helps that it is a hip-hop rap play mm -hmm. i feel like if you not all like a lot of other musicals like to have a slow dra dragged on songs maybe that'll just make it closer to an opera but i feel like i'd prefer to have uh com actual conversations in that because mm -hmm. this one can keep me mentally stimulated the whole time with uh only singing yeah because you know they're going at a quick enough pace mm -hmm. so then what did you think of the songs that did slow down like like burn and like uh worst parts really i i actually I thought like again because it is such a switch of tone it's interesting but i kind of saw that as like i feel like every stage musical has that scene where it's like the third to last song and it's oh some God. sub character who we like barely care about starts singing in footloose it's the two parents start singing a song. You know, it's like, I have not cared about these characters the entire show, and suddenly they're singing. Mm -hmm. I feel like this actually did handle it well, and maybe it's because, like, I know Burn from doing my A-Push music video, but, like, I actually liked that a lot. I thought in terms of being a more musical song, like, it wasn't annoying. It didn't feel like it came out of nowhere because it reflected the emotions that she was having mm -hmm. yeah I, but I actually thought it worked it changed the pace of the entire play for something that was not as important relative to all the other things that are going on in that time of the play yeah you know because you're breezing through you know his death you know the both the cabinet meetings like what he was actually known for as a person yeah and then it, the slowest part is when his wife wants to you know kind of just talk about her feelings yeah but like in if you're going to include the affair which i think let, let's say that you're lin-manuel miranda right you're learning about hamilton this yeah. is specifically based on a book by ron chernow he writes these wrote. really long exhaustive books and they're interesting but like having read his book on grant i can see where that like inspiration is coming from because he picks a, a person and then like specifically covers one aspect of their life and that's basically his thesis but he'll go through the whole life always relating it back to that one thing so in Grant he picks like the alcoholism what he kind of pointed out is that the whole thing of Grant being an alcoholic is basically southern revisionism like in the 1880s they pointed to like the three or four times that 
Grant got drunk and said, oh, he was like that the whole time. He's just, you know, they won by accident, basically. And he says, well, no, I'm going to go through every single battle of the war, tell you what happened, and then spend 15 minutes analyzing 20 different contrasting articles about whether or not he was drunk when it happened, you know? <laughs> and I assume that Hamilton does something similar where it's saying, here's the guy who's famous for getting shot, but like, he wrote 22,000 pages of notes during his 49 years of life, right? He wrote, as Ron Chernow says, I think the maximum amount of words a man can write in their lifetime. And he kind of focuses on like, well, look at all these other things he did. It's unfortunate that in the end, what he's known for is his death. And I think that the musical covers that very well in having sort of the ending be about like, oh, how are people remembered? They're remembered by this one instance of their life. But if you're going to cover his affair, you know, in order to mm -hmm. not make it look like you're praising Hamilton like a saint, you know, you got to yeah. point out the negative things he did in life. <clears throat> you can't have that affair and then not have the wife react to it. Mm -hmm. And if you have the wife react to it, she can't rap about yeah, it. Yeah, she can't be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, didn't they... It's my very long-winded way of saying I think that's no, some works. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, they did that same thing with the death of their son. They did. And I thought that was way better. <clears throat> okay, sure. No, I'm not, I'm not saying super like, you're, you're wrong. Stuff. I'm just saying that I yeah. liked Burn because it's yeah. kind of like the one, the main moment where it stopped, and then the next 30 minutes after that or however long are kind of that final moments of his life, you know? Yeah. How old was he when he died? Uh, Like 49, I think, 47. He had eight kids, young. and only one of them is in the musical. Uh, <laughs> but he had eight children. Uh, oh. And this isn't about the music or anything, but like I will admit, when she's talking at the end about, like, oh, after he died, I devoted the rest of my life to his legacy. Like, she's not the only person in history who's done that. Like, Garfield's wife, after he got shot, she spent the next 40 years collecting his papers and she started the first presidential library because her husband died mm. um and she also she volunteered as a medic in world war one which is interesting Dang, you're but... getting all your presidential <laughs> yeah, you knowledge know it, you in know this it. episode he's finding a going. way to get it all done here. but <laughs> yeah um we gotta keep a list of which ones you talked to oh he has <laughs> when okay, she okay. said i founded an orphanage that was the most emotional i got the entire time because i'm like oh my god she she made an orphanage and he was an orphan ah you know i thought that again that's not Layers. a writing thing like if it actually happened like you onion. know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the closest i got to tearing up the sad part for me was the death of the sun bit yeah but like i knew that happened so i knew it happened but <laughs> it was still, still good still got me a little emotional like oh it's sad i was just gonna say that um i do find that musicals a lot of times have very sappy over like melodramatic endings and i will mm -hmm. say this one does fall victim to it i wasn't yeah, a huge a fan of like the final song where it's like what will you be remembered by like i understand the importance yeah. of it and i think like yeah. there's a way I like that as a theme i don't think that it was handled amazingly though. yeah it kind of transitioned exactly. weirdly exactly yeah like i think that um like yeah it's a good theme and it's something that they should touch on but mm -hmm. it's like because I feel like Hades Town did this too. Because like I don't know if you guys know Orpheus and Eurydice, 
Um, but basically, she dies, and then, like, that's how the story ends, and that's actually how the musical ends, spoiler alert, um, which I was happy about, though, they didn't go for a happy ending, but then they do, like, this whole number, and it's like, oh, like, let's talk about, like, how important this was, and, like, it's about the love, the friends we made along the way, and (laughs) this one, like, this one does something similar, where, like, main character dies, and then, like, all these characters are like, ah, and yes, now we will remember him for this, and to me, it just felt a little, like, over-the-top sappy. I think it's nice that Aaron Burr was portrayed sympathetically. That man was insane, though. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't... I've heard a lot of crazy stories about the Aaron Burr. I liked Aaron Burr in this film a lot. It's it's interesting to have <laughs> him be nice sympathetic. <laughs> and I, I do like, again, because there's this theme of what people are remembered for, I think what he's trying to say is, here's Aaron Burr, a man of... Sorry, he, he's a man with ambition, um, mm-hmm. but he's remembered for shooting this guy. Right. Yeah. But I, he's, he's got I more don't think Aaron Burr was a great person. No. But he is a because after he shot Alexander Hamilton, he was later tried for treason because yeah. he tried to like convince some of the territories to secede and make their own country that he'd be like the king of. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So he's a little bit of a weird dude, but like you know, he's important, and I I think it's interesting that this musical does pose the question of like why are people in history important and remembered for what they're remembered for mm-hmm. i feel like it's always better to have a villain that's you know is gray mm-hmm. not you know all evil or all you know good yeah and i feel like they it's, a, it's i think they do make a very good villain throughout this very real person who exists who was as far as I know, not the greatest person. I was going to say, he feels a lot to me like uh, Salieri in Amadeus. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was thinking about that, actually. Yeah, he was where, very much like that character. Where they're like these rivals. And like that's not actually like what happened in real life with Salieri and Amadeus. But like mm-hmm. that um, he's like this guy that has been like second to Mozart his entire life. Uh, and also and, to have him be the narrator. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know? So it kind of reminded me of that. Like it's interesting how and i don't know how like historically accurate this is but like how they portray uh aaron burr and alexander hamilton being like so intertwined throughout like his entire life yeah it's interesting it's interesting it is extremely interesting i have a question for you guys please what is your least favorite song see i would have forgotten it is the problem yeah if i I think mine is the intro the alexander hamilton really Really? I don't yeah. even remember that to be to be honest. The one that I sent you guys the video of. <laughs> I don't think I watched that. Oh, it's fine. It's just Aww. it's it's just the intro song, but only when Manuel Miranda raps it because it was like before he had written the the entire musical. Um, you know, I think in terms of like the songs I actually remember, my least favorite musical theme. I didn't love the my shot stuff. Not gonna waste my shot. <laughs> I feel I, like that I, I one was like too it. repetitive. But I do. But you you did like Aaron Burser because that was also pretty repetitive. It was, it was. But like his thing, the the difference I see there is like he's the narrator basically. Uh So whenever he opens a stanza with like, "How does a guy?" You know, Mm -hmm. I I just kind of saw that as okay, we're going to the next chapter of the book. You know, right, right. I thought um... just kind of reminding you of here here we are in history. Uh It isn't my least favorite, but 
because uh, I liked it. Uh, but I like that they were able to like form so many like maybe not puns, but like good rhymes with Aaron Burser because like they talk about That's Burser true, yeah, yeah. like B U R S A R uh, as like the financial mm-hmm. thing, and then like Mercer Street, which uh, I kn- as as a man of New York, okay, I know <laughs> about Mercer Street. Let me yeah. just tell you that. Uh, so yeah, I like I like that they were able to come up with fun and creative rhymes about that. As for yeah. as for a least favorite song. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. That's fair. So Ari, I got a question for you. Yes. Design wise, as a as a stage musical, production, costumes, you know, what what'd you think? Um I thought the rotating disc was a very okay, neat. What thing. is up with yes, rotating I, discs? Because Hades Sound had one know, too. Yeah. Like I feel like this maybe is, because I don't know. I think this is like cool. some new theme in Broadway that it it does you know, I think it's interesting, it allows for sort of i think this is a very well choreographed show Mm -hmm. in terms of like the way that that disc is used especially to have people walking along in place you know and yeah and the duels yeah the duels especially and to have people that are not quite relevant yet on the back of the disc but then suddenly they come around and they start talking like i think that's all neat i i liked the the stage hands being like minimally costumed because there's like in the cabinet scenes especially they'll have the whole cabinet but only three of them are important and the three that are important are the ones wearing clothes mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of neat <laughs> and everyone else is wearing, it's not uh, unique or anything but yeah wearing like, more specific clothes <laughs> like i've been i've been on stage crew and had to wear a costume before because you go out in the middle of a of a song or whatever mm-hmm. i i do think that the it was interesting that they choreographed the stage changes. So, like, there's chairs flying through the air and everything. Like, that's, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. thought it was well I, lit. If, yeah, if I have one complaint... I was able to see. Uh-huh. Everyone's <laughs> talking about how poor Alexander Hamilton is when he's dressed like the finest nobleman there is the entire play from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. So I was it's a little true. confused there. I don't know. Because that's how everyone remembers him. That's like his image. Yeah, that was right. my problem with it, Little Women, too. Is yeah, well, yeah I think it's, it's are, like but... a relative <laughs> poorness. Like, he's not like yeah. the poorest guy in America. He's just not as... He doesn't have like a rich background like Jefferson or Burr. Yeah. yeah. To, to bring it back to what Ari was saying in his opening then, um, as, you know, again, this is on Rotten Tomatoes. This is on IMDb. On Wikipedia, it's listed as a film separate from the musical. Um, it's just as a as a just video. The... <laughs> like, I mean, it's 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 the play just camcorded pretty much. I mean, of course, there's a lot more to it. I'm just messing yeah. with that. You know, there's some more fun angles, but I mean, it pretty much just says this is one specific performance that mm-hmm. happened, and there's not a lot of fancy camera work or anything and it's not made to do that yeah so do you want to call it a film it's just a recording of a i don't play call that it a well film known. i don't <laughs> exactly but... but it is more than just a recording because like there are recordings of musical i mean of plays like shakespeare stationary where it's camera. just a stationary camera yeah so you know i like that they they they, they, they edited it there was editing yeah. um it kind of because like i feel like in and some ways soundtrack too it wasn't just like live it wasn't live audio it was clearly Mm-hmm. you know like they actually recorded it mm-hmm. which i appreciated i was worried it would mm-hmm. have like the room echo <laughs> um and like uh i think because you do lose a little bit of seeing it in person because you don't get the, the audience experience but 
on the other hand, you know, you see it a lot clearly than when you see it in person because yes. you're not sitting in the front row, probably. Um, Even then, so, like, you get to see, like, all these people's uh, actually acting and yeah. having emotions. True. Even then, though, the, the occasional close-ups, there weren't very many of them, but whenever it did get close, it was just uncomfortable because it felt like I'm watching a show. Why am I so <laughs> close to the actor, you know? Uh-huh. I didn't mind them. Like, uh, it happened mainly with the King George thing. Yeah. He's, like, spitting all over the place. But, like, there's <laughs> oh, very yeah. rarely a close-up. I would have of... preferved to be a little bit further yeah. away. Because when, <laughs> um, when it got close-up, you could notice they weren't handling their saliva as well as they could have been a few yeah. actors. Which, I, at first, I this thought would might not have been fly a character with choice. social distancing. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the epicenter right there. Uh-huh. Um, at first, I, I was... I thought maybe that was a character choice, and then I realized, like, wait, this is a musical. No one would be able to see that from the seats, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. As, nah, the like, people in the front I, row would be able to feel that. It's not a movie, yeah. you know? I mean, there's a difference between a film and, like, this. it's it's not like if it's not a stationary camera, we should consider it a film, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's, it's, I think there's a quite a big <clears throat> difference. Like, it, there, there I wouldn't was... say there's much of a cin- cinematography here, you know? Yeah. There, there are, like, one or two um, F-bombs that are censored, because I guess Disney Plus doesn't want any cursing anywhere. Wait, what? I There were two F-bombs in yeah, the show that but were I think, censored. I think they're probably censored in real life. No, 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 they're not. Oh, you know? I, I oh, they are? They, they, they mute the, the thing and have the music play under it just so you don't notice it. Oh. Well, it was, Ew. I thought I... And I they, thought ad, was... they asterisk it in the subtitles, too. Really? Because I thought I thought they were just doing that because that's the joke, but uh, no, 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 that's no. same. That's what I thought. I thought it was a joke, and it also happened live. They censored themselves. There were a few that were um, intentionally censored as a joke, like they'll trail yeah. off and have the rhyme. But like, yes. come on, look, Disney. Disney, if you're gonna, sh- you own gonna Deadpool play now. Musical, what, like... Play the musical. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It's interesting. It has a PG-13 rating. It literally is a film. <laughs> like, everyone on the planet thinks this is a film. I, I found it. Okay. Two F-bombs emitted from Yorktown and Washington on your side. However, a third partially unfinished one used in Say No to This is retained, making it the first film released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner to feature the expletive. <gasps> oh my god! A fourth oh one is also goodness. kept in, but is intentionally bleeped in the live performance for comedic effect. So there okay. you go. So because they have some, I always assumed that all of them were yeah. comedic. Mm-hmm. This is fun. For that reason. Yeah. I enjoyed talking about a musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we Good job, Ari. did well with it. I'm recommending yeah, The I Ring Cycle you. next. Yeah, Wagner's <laughs> four is. opera, twelve hour long magnum. Oh opus. God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just doing Grease live, so <laughs> yeah, that was, that was well, fun. All right, cool. Before we get into our questions. Well, we have a sponsor for today. Okay. Hey, play the thing. This episode is not sponsored by any of our normal companies. Sorry about that. I'm not. We're gonna have to go a little bit. We're gonna have to uh, make extra money next time because we won't have any sponsor today. That ends the sponsor segment. (laughs) They were sponsored by not having a sponsor. (laughs) Okay, but before we get into the questions, I have another (laughs) news topic. No sponsor for today's episode. (laughs) Yeah, I have a news topic. 
Yeah. So I thought Nick was going to do this because I told him about it, but I, he probably just forgot. Yes. Anyway, no it's <coughs> okay. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'll just read you the first paragraph of this article. All ears. A gunman in Ukraine, armed with an automatic rifle and grenades, oh, has surrendered to police and released 13 hostages after the country's president consented to his demand to recommend the 2005 animal rights documentary Earthlings, narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. Wait. Okay, can you say that one more time? This guy, this terrorist in Ukraine, took 13 people hostage. He was on a bus, right? I don't, I don't know. Probably, yeah, yeah, I a bus. So. Uh, yeah. It was on a bus. It was on a bus, and he, he, his demand was that the president of Ukraine formally recommend this 2005 documentary that is narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. What? And it's an Earth documentary. It's it's an animal rights documentary called Earthlings. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard about this. Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix narrates it, right? <laughs> yep. Wow. And so and, and so the Ukrainian president tweeted out that everyone should watch this movie. <laughs> Be a weird hostage to be. <laughs> See, in America, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but in Ukraine, we <laughs> recommend Joaquin Phoenix movies. I I think that as far as demands go, that's the easiest one to fulfill. Yeah, it makes sense that they do it. Uh-huh. Um, um, now Jared Leto's going to do that. Terrorism is a very strange thing. Um, <laughs> it, it's very it's very weird. I don't think he'd be able to fill out his uh get his requirements fulfilled if he pulled that off in the U.S., not gonna lie. <laughs> Jared Leto threatens to send used condoms to every American citizen <laughs> unless President says that Suicide Squad is the best movie and to release the Leto cut. The Leto cut. Yeah. I'll know. say it, but I want you to send the condoms still. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, you know? I, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not often you get you get political movie news mm -hmm. i i will yeah. say uh that the obamas have uh produced two films this year so far nice they're both on netflix they make documentaries now so there's that one, one of them did one of them won the oscar right or was well, nominated okay. at least the thing is american factory is the movie you're thinking yeah of, and it was made by their production company oh they but they did didn't not have... directly okay. finance it so they're not listed as producers but their involvement is why I correctly predicted that it would win the documentary, even though Honeyland is supposedly better. What about? Um, I don't know. American Factory is about uh, a Chinese company that sets up a factory in America, mm -hmm. and it's very clear that they are not familiar with the concept of uh, rights. I think. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, they're, they're like, you do the, there, you make but... factories in China all the time and don't give our workers rights. So why should we do this for you? It's a it's a whole battle between them and like, like a, a rights a union I think, <laughs> which I find very funny because it's like, I don't know. I won't get into that, but it's it's funny. So, I do you have not, any questions? I do not have any questions this time, unless you'd like me to steal one from another podcast. Whatever you want, my guy. Alright, first question, only question. Um, how often do y'all cry while watching movies, and what are some movies that have made you cry, if any? Okay, fun story time with Ari. Oh, um, yay. Once, a long, long time ago, um, I... Watch was watching Marley and Me because my older sister put it on, and I was crying a lot as a child. And I woke up my parents in the middle of the night and told on my sister, saying 
because I was angry at her for putting on Marley at me, and I tried to get her in trouble because she the movie made me cry. That That's is pretty that good. is my story. Nice. That's pretty good. I was the last time I cried in a movie though. Open tears do not happen super often for me in a in a movie. Uh, off the top of my head, Paris, Texas made me cry. There's this moment where Harry Dean stands. I won't spoil the movie, but Harry Dean Stanton has a moment in that movie that actually made me cry. It was beautiful. You know, I won't lie. I cried during Titanic, but not during the part where you think. I cried when the band went down. <laughs> I love I love the Titanic band so much. Yeah. They might be my favorite part of the Titanic story, the fact that they're all just like, yeah, we're not going to make it. We're just going to keep playing until we all drown. But, yeah. Good. Um... There's one more. I can't remember what it is, though. Um, I remember I got moderately emotional in um, Little Women, but I don't cry very often in uh, movies. Right right before I left for college, I was in sort of an emotional state with everything. Um, and I cried while playing Super Mario Galaxy for the first time in, like, five years. So there's that. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't cry super often in movies. Hey, you were, you were crying during Toy Story 4, you were laughing so hard. <laughs> that, this is correct, this is correct. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't cry, uh, too often, not for lack of trying, but, uh, <laughs> um, let's see, I, I can't remember all the movies that have Raw. made me, like, tear up a bit. <laughs> uh, the, the, there's some movies that have definitely, like, made me tear up a bit, like, uh, The Hours is pretty sad, I probably cried, like, the first time I saw that. Um, I will say, like, the first one that comes to mind for me, probably the most recent movie I saw that made me actually cry was, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I don't know, man. I thought, like, the the ending, the ending for that movie is, like, so sad uh, that I was, like, crying on an airplane, which is very embarrassing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, because to make me cry in a movie, it can't be, like, mm, it, it can't be, like, something that's let me let me try to let me try to wrap my head head around like what makes me cry because like I think I think I might know what you're saying because like when I watch a Pixar movie right I know they're trying to make me cry and I know that my response to that film is not me being upset it's my body having a natural reaction to something that is scientifically supposed to make it cry <laughs> when you when you bring up the music like that and you got these big wide-eyed animated animals. Like, yeah, your body has a response to that. I don't count that because it's not me getting emotional. It's my body reacting, you know? I see it the same way as when you, like, tear up when you yawn. Like, I'm not crying. I'm just, that's what my Mm. body's doing. Whereas Paris, Texas, like, thinking of the story up to that point and realizing what these characters were going through, like, that actually made me emotional, you know? So I think that the definition is you need to decide to cry. Kind of. I think I've cried. I can. It's easy for me to think of times I've cried in a book. Actually, I think really, that's one time. really. Yeah. There you go. I cry at where the red fern grows. Oh, that's freaking brutal. That is sad. Oh, I don't cry when dog, dogs die. You. <laughs> I have. Hey, <laughs> got him. I get it. No, I think um, for me, one of the biggest things that like makes me cry is like when something happens to a character that they like is like totally out of their control. Like, if someone does oh, something okay. that, like, is, like, like if, if something happens to a character that's, like, really sad, but it's, like, something that they kind of brought upon themselves, I don't think that's as sad, but it's, like, when, like, when someone... You're on cut gems. 
<laughs> no, I laughed. <laughs> um, but like uh, when when like something happens that like is just totally out of the control, like that to me is like the great injustice of the world. And um, mm-hmm. I, I agree that like Pixar yeah. movies do a lot of times really try to make you cry. But I will say actually that Coco, I did cry during Coco. I thought that was really sad. really yeah. Because like you know I, that's a I music... know what scene you're talking about though yeah, yeah because it's a music movie and I'm like I because like the one of the themes of that is like how like music can like keep uh can like help your memory um mm-hmm. and like I don't, I don't know that's like something that I I truly believe in is that like music is inherently tied to memory it's like you you hear a song you get nostalgic and you might cry to that song so that to me is kind of like the equivalent of, like that scene um mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I, I remembered what the third one was that I actively cried during. I saw, um, like, two years ago, maybe, I saw E.T., the film, live with an orchestra. Um, and I hadn't seen the movie in a while, so I'm sitting at this amphitheater, watching it with live score. And at the end, when E.T. leaves, I actively cried, because I think that is... Uh-huh. We didn't talk about it during themes, because it's not a theme, but the music at the end of E.T. might be among my favorite. It's probably my favorite John Williams piece. I think all of the music from E.T. is great. But, like, that moment, I was like, ah, oh, this would make young me so happy. So, But that's more based on nostalgia, I think. Mm-hmm. And you start getting like I, a I know that Steven Spielberg wanted me to cry. So I don't <laughs> know if it fits my own criteria. But I don't see. Criteria? Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a quick short one, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. So before we over, uh, go to the outro, what do you think is the best TV show? Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the best or my favorite? Oh, oh, those are two different questions, Sorry, Which is it? I think your favorite, then. Okay. What do you mean? Is, is it really that different? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd give a different answer, but like, it's a different question. Okay, sure. Your, your favorite movie, your favorite TV show. All right, Twin Peaks is my favorite. Right. Mine is Person of Interest, okay. which is on Netflix. If you're asking because you want something to binge, Ari, both of our shows are on Netflix. Yeah. Oh. I do Person like of... Backyardigans quite a bit, unironically. <laughs> Backyardigans. My favorite of all time is definitely Avatar: Last Airbender original series. Hey, it's nice. It's good. That is... It's been a while since I saw it, but it's good. I rewatched the whole thing. Yeah, like everyone else. Made, yeah. 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 Oh my goodness, that's so dang creative. Mm-hmm. Characters are the best. Anyways, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just in that mood because I've been watching a lot of Korra recently. Legend of Korra. I only watched the first and, season. You know, I, I, I don't need to get into this because I answered <laughs> my question, but that's, that's why I've been thinking of that. Anyways... Uh, it is your turn to recommend a movie, Wendell? No, fine. I don't believe so. <laughs> I hope not. Okay. Okay, boys. Okay, Nick. Okay. Okay, Nick. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not recommending Drive West, don't worry. Yes! Um, <laughs> so, He got I so liked... happy he froze. <laughs> so, I liked talking about Suspiria as two movies, right? Okay. Don't worry, Ari. Just calm down. A movie that's okay, been it's... remade four times. Oh, it's the it's the it's the 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 the, the singing movie with Lady Gaga. I I should have thought of that. That's good, but no. Um, what's it called? Star Star is born. Oh, yeah. Star is born. <laughs> so, I liked the idea of doing a gimmick, right? I liked that we talked about two films that are similar and compared them. So I this 
quest began a long time ago. This is a lot of exposition, I'm sorry. Okay. Get, sit back, grab a cup of hot cocoa, and, and listen, okay? This quest... Cocoa? <laughs> <laughs> um, my hot. quest for an appropriate film to do that would fit the criteria began a long time ago. What's the ago. criteria? That has to be two things Just that are Just to be a gimmick. Something <laughs> that we can talk okay. about that has enough in common to be compared, right? Okay. So, what I first decided on was in Orson Welles' film called Mr. Arkadin. Now, this is a film from the 50s. This is not my recommendation. This is a film from the 50s that exists in seven different versions, and none of them are the version that Orson Welles actually wanted to make. And they range from, like, I think they get up to, like, 15 minutes different in length. One of them's Spanish for some reason. One of them's edited for TV. One of them's been edited to, like be like a weird censored American release. It's a very strange collection of films, but I decided it might be too boring to do, and that the individual versions would not have enough different to properly compare them, and we'd just be confused if one version has lines that the other doesn't. So I kind of gave up on a gimmick for a while, and I started thinking about other movies that we had done, and we've done a lot of movies so far. We actually just recently, Casino was our 50th film, um, so having now done 52 different films, I was looking back at them all, and I'm like, uh, we've done a lot of things, we've done a lot of good things, we've done a couple things that were kind of lackluster, but those lackluster movies, you know, they weren't intentional. Ari recommended Irishman, which we didn't like, and he wouldn't know that, you know. I recommended the first Suspiria, <clears throat> even the second Suspiria, which Ari hated. Uh, and Ari hating the second Suspiria, I think, is the only strong reaction negatively that any of us have had to any of the movies. Raw. So I thought, you know, <laughs> Ari it's, time, all the... it's time to recommend a movie that I know all three of us will hate so that we can talk about how much we hate it. And okay. that movie is a movie that is integral to Pone lore. I'm recommending the film Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler. <laughs> but wait, oh. I'm not done yet. Because I started thinking about this, and I, I sort of got back to the whole idea of a gimmick. There is no remake of uh, Jack and Jill. But you could argue that all of his films are very similar. So what I've done is I've put together a wheel. Cut the jazz, put on the game show music, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin the wheel three times... And each of us is going to be watching a different Adam Sandler film, right? <laughs> so I guess we'll just go in pwn order here. So Ari, you're up first, right? As you can see, I've got, uh, what is that, eight different movies here. If you can see my visuals, my head is I've in my hands. I've got the Rotten Tomatoes scores next to each of them. So these range from 0 to 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, so we're in I've for a good time. I've only seen click of these. Um, I'm hoping we don't land on click, because I've also seen click. It's the only one I've seen. So if, if we land on click, we'll just spin it a, another time. But I've got this Ridiculous is, Six, this The Cobbler, beautiful. The Do-Over, I Never Pronounce You, Chuck and Larry, Pixels, That's My Boy, Little Nicky, and Click. So Ari, you are going to be watching the film. I'm so scared. Oh, you get... Okay. No, I wanted that! I wanted that! Ari will be watching I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry from 2007. <laughs> it has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Wesley, you will be watching... Oh no. Have you seen Click? 
Do you want to watch Click Quest? <laughs> I've not seen Click. Yay! Right, you get the 2006 film Click with 33%. That's actually pretty good. That's the highest rated one. So you got yeah. lucky there. And I will be watching... No, 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 no. Okay. I thought I was going to get Ridiculous 6 there. I was really scared. <laughs> I get The Cobbler, which is the most boring film on this list. This is a next Netflix movie with a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So all right. each this of us will be fun. watching a different movie, and I figured they're all the exact same thing. So I don't know how we're gonna review them, but we'll get we'll figure out when we get there. Instead of just watching them all, I figured if we all watch a different one, we can kind of just tell each other what happened, and we'd never have to see them. Uh-huh. So yeah. you guys could have told Good me about Clay. Audience. You guys both could have told me about what happened in Clay. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting because Ari and I actually have perspective, though I have only seen the film dubbed in Japanese. So uh, that's all we have time for on this episode of Postpone. Um, This is the last episode, the second, the penultimate episode of Postpone because after next episode, they'll never talk to me again. They'll be so upset that I will no longer have any friends. But you can still have friends because you can listen to the podcast here on Apple Podcasts or whatever other podcast mm. apps you are currently using, go ahead and leave uh, whatever the highest rating you can for your preferred platform is. Go on down to the subreddit, check out our YouTube channel, leave some questions, comments for us to answer in the next episode, and also look at our wiki, and we probably have an Instagram. Uh, make sure to watch whatever Adam Sandler movie you want before the next episode. I'm so sorry. Goodbye.